but good morning. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you for Pat, to Pastor Deal for uh, inviting me to preach today. Uh, so we are continuing with our series on peopling, or, or how we are to deal with the people around us in a Christ-like manner. And when we people, when, when we encounter people, when we spend time with them, when we interact, we get some of our greatest joys from that time. But we also get some of our greatest hurts from those times as well. And so today we're talking about forgiving others. And I know, like, I just saw everybody's face light up, right? Because you're all so excited about talking about forgiveness, right? Like, yeah, like, I like to forgive, right? All right. So before I get into that, though, uh, I just want to share a quick story. Now, I'm told that this is an actual true story, although I was not able to verify it, but we'll just pretend it's true, okay? So a frontier preacher was preaching against hatred, and he asked all those who had overcome the sin of hatred to stand. And he was shocked when one old man actually rose to his feet. And the preacher asked him how this could be, and he said, it's real easy for me. All the skunks who done me dirt, hurt me, stole from me, all them scoundrels I hated, well, they're all dead now, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> kind of makes forgiveness easy, right? Like, you know, yeah, you know. But really, forgiveness in our lives isn't always that easy. And in fact, it can be downright difficult. You know, maybe you're a, a single mom and, and you're still upset and hurt about what was done to you by, by a, a man. Or maybe you're a retired person and you're still struggling over something that your boss did to you 30 years ago. Uh, maybe you are someone who's been, God forbid, you've been abused. Something terrible like that has happened. Maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe a classmate in school did you dirty. A friend betrayed you. Um, you know, maybe you're not like that man in the story. Someone hurt you long ago and they're dead now, but you just can't get past that hurt. That's what we're going to talk about today because maybe you're sitting there thinking about some offense that was done to you and you're like, why should I forgive them? They're the ones that did something wrong. They're not even sorry. And while that may be true, Today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what forgiveness actually means and why it's something that needs to be part of our lives as Christians. So before we get into that, uh, I, I want us to talk a little bit about what forgiveness actually is. Um, and this is the nerdy part. Apparently uh, John knew that this was coming in some fashion. Uh, so I don't have any maps for you today, so I apologize. We don't have any maps. But instead we have a linguistics lesson, Okay. <laughs> So no history or archaeology today, we have language. Uh, anyway, so, so there's, there's etymology, and what that is, not entomology. Entomology is the study of insects, which are gross, okay? Um, etymology is the study of words and language and how it forms and how it changes and, and things like that. And so in order to really understand this concept of forgiveness, we need to know the words and what they mean. So in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek. And in the New Testament, there were typically three words that were used for forgiveness, but two of them were the main ones. And those are the two we're going to talk about. The first one is afiaime. And that means literally to send forth, to send away, or to yield. And by yield, it doesn't mean let the other guy go first to the intersection, but to, to give something up, okay? And then the other one that is translated as forgiveness is karizomai. And that has a very similar meaning. And Paul is the one who uses this one the most in his letters and, and things like that. Uh, the other one appears mostly in the Gospels. And this term means to bestow favor unconditionally. Uh, if you know your Greek at all, you can see that it's uh, related to the Greek word for grace, which is charis. 
okay? So when we talk about God's grace, the word is charis, and that means unearned favor. And so this charizomai carries that same meaning. Then our English word forgiveness comes from the old English for gifan, okay? And that means, gifan means to give, and for means completely. So all three of these words, there's a point here, not just like, hey, this is cool, nerdy stuff. So the point is that all three of these words were very specially selected. The, the two Greek words, they were inspired by God. Paul told the gospel, or, or excuse me, God told the, the gospel writers and Paul, use these words because of the concepts, because words are expressions of thought. And so the words used are very important. And so we can see that because of these three words, that to forgive means to give away completely. To give up completely. Unconditionally. No strings attached. And that is, like I said, important because so often when we think about forgiveness, we're like, well, I'll forgive him if he apologizes. That's not forgiveness. Or, well, I'll forgive him when he makes it right. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means to give up completely. And we'll, dig, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that in just a moment. So why is forgiveness important? Well, the main reason why forgiveness is important is that God tells us to forgive. I mean, okay, I'm going to go sit down because right there, that's the end of the sermon. Right? You know, if you need a better reason than that, I've got some more. But, I mean, come on. If God tells us to do something, that should be a pretty compelling reason. Right? And it, okay, just me? Okay, I heard John say something. All right, three of us. Woo! We got it. So, you know, I like interaction, right? Um, so, those two words that we talked about appear, combined, appear 59 times in the New Testament. So, this is obviously something that God is really serious about. Colossians 3.13, one of my favorite verses, says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who, for, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Anybody ever been forgiven of anything? The Lord forgiven you? Yeah. So we must forgive others. And I love, the reason I love this verse so much, though, is because what it says at the beginning. Make allowance for each other's faults. Any, uh, any machinists, any uh, surveyors, engineers, construction folks in here today? Um, those of you who are like, where's he going with this? Because I've seen him use a hammer. Um, <laughs> but like sometimes when you're building something, you can, you can like wiggle in a little bit of an allowance, right? You can make a little extra room for, for you to mess up, right? Any, any, right? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> Maybe you guys don't have to because you're good at what you do. Um, <laughs> But right, and that's make allowance for each other's faults. Plan for each other's faults. Like it's gonna happen. Because we all have faults, we all hurt each other, right? And so the Bible says, plan for that, make allowance for that, and forgive anyone who offends you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, or God through Christ, has forgiven you. I mean, again, it's just laid out pretty clearly. Like, this is not optional. But if you need another reason, like we were saying, if we want forgiveness, we have to forgive. 
Have you ever stopped to think about that? Like, if we want forgiveness, we have to forgive. When Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray, part of the prayer that he teaches them says, Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. See, that word as there is an important little word. It's a linking word, and it means in the same manner. Yeek. Like, are you telling me that I get forgiven the same way that I forgive other people? All right. Guess I need to put a little work into that today, you know? Right? And then as you go even a little bit further, another couple of verses down, Jesus just lays it out. He says, if you don't forgive people, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. It just makes it very, very clear, unmistakable. Now, one of my favorite parables is the parable of the uh, unforgiving debtor. And in this parable, uh, it starts off with Peter. And how many people love Peter in the Bible? I, I love Peter because Peter tries so hard. And sometimes he just doesn't get it, right? <laughs> like he's walking across the water and he's like, yeah, I'm doing it. And he looks down and he's like, I'm walking across water. And it's storming and he starts to sink. But he says, Lord, save me. He doesn't try to get back in the boat. He says, Lord, save me. Or, or during the transfiguration, you know, when they're up on the mountaintop and Jesus is transfigured and, and Moses is there and, and Peter's like, hey, let's set up some tents. You know, like, like he doesn't know what to do, so he's just trying to be practical, right? Or, or, you know, the night when Jesus was arrested, he pulls out his sword and whacks a guy's ear off. You know, and, and Jesus is like, all right, put your sword away, Peter. I told you this was going to happen, right? He tried so hard, but he doesn't always get it. And, and this is another instance of that. So it says, uh, Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And I can just almost hear Peter's thoughts like, I'm going to be a good boy. Like, I am so forgiving right now. Like, I am so spiritual right now. Lord, seven times? Yeah, you guys hear that? I said seven times. And like, you, you offended me twice, and I'm still going to uh, forgive you. No, and then Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times. But 70 times 7. You know, and, and like I can imagine Peter's like, okay, carry the one, four, nine, five hundred times? Are you kidding me, Jesus? Right? Because think about that. Think about how outrageous that was. Right? These are the people that were taught in their law, in the law of Moses, way, way back in the day, before Jesus, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And yet Jesus is now flipping that on its head. Because remember, he says, look. You've heard it said, but now I'm teaching you. He's bringing a new way, and he's bringing a new way for us as well. Yes. So, the, the, so the parable goes, Jesus tells the story right after that because he wants to teach Peter and the rest of them what forgiveness is really like. And so he says, you know, there's this servant who owed his master like the equivalent today of millions of dollars. And so, you know, his master's like, if you can't pay me, I'm going to take you, your wife and kids, sell you into slavery, sell all your stuff, and I'll at least get some of my money back. And so the servant is like, please, please, please forgive me. I, I'll do my best. I can't pay it. And the master has pity on him and forgives the entire debt. And says, you know what? You don't owe me a thing. Go on out. And the man goes away. And he gets outside and he sees another servant who owes him a couple thousand dollars. And he grabs him and says, listen, scumbag, where's my money? And the guy says, I'm so sorry, I can't pay you. And it's like, all right, well, you're going to prison then. And he has him thrown into prison because he couldn't pay that small debt. Well, the other servants saw this, and they go and they told their master. And we pick up the story again. It says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. 
Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Somehow I, I tend to skim over passages like that sometimes when I'm just reading the Bible. I'm like, I don't like that because it's hard, because it requires something of me. But listen, Jesus is not requiring something from us that he didn't already do. Right. We forgive because he forgave us first. Yeah. It's just like, you know, Jesus always goes first. Like we love because he loved us first, right? We're just doing what he has shown us. He's showing us the example. And that's why we need to do this. Because how dare we ignore the example that he has set for us? Another reason why we want to forgive is so that we can be free. See, unforgiveness is a burden. Nelson Mandela, if you don't know who Nelson Mandela is, he was a, he was a black man in South Africa, and uh, racism was like this huge, horrible thing in, in South Africa. I mean, it still is in some ways. Uh, but he was one of the leaders of, uh, of the movement for equal rights for blacks and stuff. And I mean, he spent like decades in prison because of this. And, uh, but one of the quotes that he said is, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Like holding on to an offense is like drinking poison and hoping it'll kill your enemies. Because it doesn't hurt them. It just hurts you. Yeah. Chances are they probably don't even know that you're upset with them. You know, they did something 10 years ago and they've completely forgotten about it. But you're the one that it's affecting. It affects our heart. It affects our relationships. It, it affects our minds, our stress levels, our relationship with God and each other. It actually affects our bodies, like the effects of stress on our heart and our, our heads and, and things like that. Like, there are real biological consequences to this. If you think about our relationship with God, it's kind of like a pipe, okay? And, and this pipe is how the love of God flows through us, right? Because remember, we don't just you know, hang out in church, right? Jesus said we're supposed to be a light that lights up the whole house. So we're supposed to be a city on a hill that everybody can see, right? We don't just hang out in church, but we're to take that light out into that dark world, right? So if you think of us as a pipe, and that's how that love and grace of God flows through us, well, what happens if you get a bunch of crud built up in your pipes? It starts to back up, right? And stuff doesn't go through as much, right? And that's when we hold on to that anger and that bitterness and that hurt. It, it gunks up our pipe, and then we can't let the love of God go through. How many people have ever been around somebody who's just bitter, who's just angry, who's just always negative all the time? Like, I don't know about you, but like, that doesn't seem what Jesus is like to me. And if that's the, the image that we're portraying to the world of what Jesus is like, then no wonder they don't want anything to do with him. We got to get that cleared out because when we're carrying that stuff around, we are not healed. Right. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many, a poisonous root of bitterness. 
How many people have ever heard of a trumpet vine? <laughs> trumpet vines are pretty. They got these neat, neat flowers on them and stuff. And we had one in our landscaping. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool plant. Until about two months into the, the first summer that we lived there. I'm like, what is this stuff that's coming up everywhere? And my wife's like, oh, that's that trumpet vine. Oh, okay. So we cut it off, you know, pulled stuff out. Cool. Like a week later, it's back. Like more stuff is growing. I'm like, what on earth? My, my wife's grandpa lives right next door to us. He has one in his yard, and he just mows the extra, you know. So um, <laughs> he takes care of that. But I just could not believe that this stupid vine sends these tendrils out underneath the ground all over the place, and then they pop up. And they start to choke the life out of the other plants. And that's what a root of bitterness does in our lives if we let it. It doesn't just affect us. It spreads out and it affects everybody around us. And it starts to choke out the growth. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, watch out that no root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. He says, watch out. Because when that stuff is stuck, we can't get healed. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I would fall off my bike or I'd, I'd get a cut or scrape or something and I'd go crying inside and, and uh, my mom was a nurse. So I always knew I could trust her to patch me up. But sometimes I wouldn't go in because she would always put iodine on, on my wounds. Now those of you that have not experienced iodine... That stuff is from the pit, let me tell you. Like, my mom would, she'd, she'd first get like a rag, and not like a nice soft piece of gauze. No, she'd just get like a rag, like a dish rag, you know, and just start like scrubbing away to get the gravel out, and I'm screaming my head off. And, and uh, then she'd take this iodine, and she'd paint it on there, and it burned like fire. And it was, and it like turned my skin orange and, and stuff like that. But see, my mom knew even though I didn't, she knew that she had to do those things. That even though it hurt a little bit in the moment, that she had to clean that out. Because if she didn't, it wouldn't heal. And it would scab over and it would get infected and it could affect my entire arm until the arm's got to come off. Right? And it's the same way with the emotional wounds that we receive. They have to be cleaned out. And sometimes the methods that God uses to clean them out burn. But it's better than letting that get infected. Yep, right. there's, a, there's a lady named Corey Tenboom uh, that I, I really like her work. She's a Christian. Uh, she's passed on now. <clears throat> Excuse me, but she was Dutch. And during World War II, uh, her family was arrested because, by the Nazis uh, because they were helping Jews escape and, and harboring Jews and stuff like that. And uh, so they were sent to prison. And she and her sister were sent to uh, the Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp where her sister died. And so, I mean, she suffered horrendous abuses. She watched her sister die, saw all these awful, awful things. And uh, I just want to share a quick video of uh, some of her testimony about that, what happened afterwards. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man. That was one of the most cruel officers, guards, in the concentration, concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace 
for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. I love that story. Because I've never suffered anything remotely like what she went through in that concentration camp. I didn't have to witness seeing my sister basically murdered by those guards. I didn't have to go through that same torment myself and then come out the other side and have one of those guards ask me for forgiveness. And I love what she said at the end. She's like, can you forgive? No. Neither can I. But God can. See, it's only through the power of God that we can truly forgive. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, a lot of times we don't really understand what Jesus is talking about there. But think about it. You're carrying this heavy burden. You're, whether it's your, you know, your burden of sin is absolutely a huge part of that. But a lot of it also is the burden of the hurts that we're holding on to, the burden of the pain that we've got, the anger, the resentment, all that stuff. And we can lay that down. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, give that to me. He's like, I will carry that for you. And see, we also don't understand what he talks about when he says, take my yoke upon you. See, a yoke was a piece of wood, and you would put two oxen in that piece of wood. And when they had that, you know, if you didn't have a yoke and you just hitched two oxen to your, to your wagon or your plow or whatever, they could go in different directions. But when you put the yoke on them, they would go in the same direction, and it would increase their pulling power and their work strength. But see, another thing that they would do is they would take an older, stronger, more experienced ox, and they would team it with a young ox who didn't know what to do. And they would put them in together, and so the young ox would learn from the older ox what was expected of him. And not only that, the young ox wasn't doing much of the work. 
He was still learning. Instead, the older ox was the one who was doing most of the heavy lifting. And that's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He says, I've already done the hard work. I've died on the cross. My sacrifice covered this. Why are you holding on to it? See, because when we hold on to our pain and our suffering and things like that, we're basically saying, my pain or my hurt or my anger or my resentment is stronger than what you did on the cross, Jesus. And that's not the case at all. Because there's nothing stronger than what Jesus did on the cross. So how do we forgive others? We've learned what forgiveness is, what it means, how we actually uh, uh, let it go. And we've seen, like, why we need to do this. So we have to remember, if you want to forgive others, how do we do this? Remember that forgiveness is a choice. Remember what she was talking about in that video. Through the power of God, she chose to forgive. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it didn't matter. It didn't mean that it was, that it was okay what happened to her. No, none of those things. But she still had to choose to forgive because it means that when we forgive, we are choosing love over hate. Just like Jesus did for us. And when we forgive, when we choose to forgive... It can take time for our feelings to change. But remember, our feelings follow our faith. Our faith does not follow our feelings. Now, this is hard for a lot of people. I know that. I am very much a feelings person. I'm sure you're all surprised by that. Um, But I am. And there are times when I don't feel very Christian or I don't feel close to God or I don't feel like forgiving somebody. But you know what? This is what my faith is based on, not how I'm feeling. And, and another story from Corey Ten Boom, I, I just love what she has to say about forgiveness. She was having a hard time later on in life. Some, some friends had betrayed her, and she was having a hard time forgiving them. And she says in the story, you would think after what I was able to do with the guard, I would have it down. But she said, I, I don't. Um, and so she asked a, a minister friend of ours, like, what do I do? Like, this just keeps coming back and coming back. And her minister friend says, up in that church tower, he said, nodding out the window, is a bell, which is rung by pulling on a rope. But you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging. First ding, then dong. Slower and slower until there's a final dong and it stops. I believe the same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive someone, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we shouldn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. And I thought, man, that's good. But the key is, you got to take your hand off the rope. You can't keep yanking on the rope and expect to really forgive somebody. See, because we have to surrender to God. We don't like that word, do we? That S word. Now I'm going to be like, Pastor Todd said the S word in church. No, surrender, okay? That's the word I'm talking about. So forgiveness requires humility because sometimes we have to ask forgiveness. 
But it also requires humility to offer forgiveness. I love 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. We typically think of that verse as like, oh man, how am I going to pay my rent? Or oh, my kid is sick, or, or this. And those are all certainly true. But worries and cares are more than just the, the things that we happen to worry about, right? It's also our hurts. It's our resentments. It's the anger we feel. We can give all of that to God. That, right? That's what a care is, something you care about. Give that to God because he cares about you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. We have to surrender it to God because if we don't, most of the time God is a gentleman. He's not going to force us. And if we don't surrender it to him and say, Father, I'm going to let you deal with this person. Or, Father, I'm going to let you deal with this situation. Father, I'm going to trust you with this. Then he's going to let us deal with it. And let me tell you, God is a lot more effective than I am. Trust me on that. And it also requires humility because when we have to seek forgiveness from someone that we've wronged, it requires humility. I, uh, I, I asked my son's permission to, the, to tell this story. Uh, I'm not sure where he is. He's here somewhere. But... Um, uh, several months ago, my son Luke came home with a case of Mountain Dew that he had been given uh, after an event. And uh, I was like, sweet, free pop, right? You know, like he, somebody gave it to him. So because they gave it to him, he should share it with me, right? Like you guys have heard of the dad tax, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, so anyway, one day he was at school and, uh, and he was going to go to work later that day. And I was at home. It was my day off. And about lunchtime, I'm like, hmm, Mountain Dew sounds kind of good right now. So I went to where I, I knew the box was and the box is gone. Where's the Mountain Dew? So I asked my wife, and she's like, oh, Luke put it in the back of his car. <laughs> like, he did what? He put it in the back of his car. And my mind immediately went to, he did that to keep it away from his brothers and sisters and me. And I got mad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How greedy is that? That's ridiculous. He didn't even pay for it. You know, he doesn't want to share nothing. And I just went on this tirade. And it actually, you know, my wife was like, dude, what's wrong with you? Uh, and, and we were talking. It actually ended up being an argument between my wife and I. So I had to ask forgiveness for that. And, uh, like, my, my only excuse for being a fool is that, you know, maybe the devil was whispering in my ear that day. But, but still, I know better uh, to listen. Um, so anyway, so we finally get it resolved, and I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. I was, I was a jerk, and, you know, didn't think a whole lot of it. Luke got home that night after work, and he walks in the door. He had no idea that any of this happened, okay? He walks in the door, and he hands me a, a Starbucks Frappuccino, and he says, hey, I, I stopped by the gas station, got myself one. I thought you might like one, too. <laughs> I felt about that tall, let me tell you. And so... Even though he had no idea, like he used his own money for that. And so even though he had no idea that this whole thing had happened, I still told him what, what I had felt and what I thought, and I apologized to him. And the reason I did that is because I want my kids to see me modeling forgiveness. And I want my kids to see me asking for forgiveness when I'm the one who was wrong. And I was wrong in that situation in a lot of different ways. But see, especially for those of you who are parents or grandparents or you're around kids, they need to see it from us. And they need to see what it looks like for us to model this. See, because we have to pursue reconciliation. 
whether we're asking for forgiveness or whether we're giving forgiveness. We have to pursue reconciliation. Now, one thing I want to say, if it's safe, I mean, obviously, like, if, if somebody has abused you or threatened you or something like that, you know, I mean, don't go back into that situation just, just for the reconciliation thing. Or, you know, maybe it's not possible they've passed away and you can't uh, reconcile with them. But one thing you can do is you can actually write out a letter like you're, you're writing it to them and then destroy it afterwards. And that can help you with the forgiveness process. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus again, he says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple... And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, like you've offended someone, you've hurt someone, you've done someone wrong. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Like, what? Now, obviously, I'm not saying if somebody's mad at you, don't come to church, okay? That's, that's not at all what I'm saying, right? But Again, this is how seriously God takes this. Like, we are to live in peace with one another. And that means we have to forgive others and we have to ask for forgiveness from others. You know, I've had a lot of painful moments in my life. I've had to deal with a lot of people who have hurt me, uh, talked bad about me behind my back. Some of them have been in this church. But at the same time, I have to forgive them. I have to love them like Jesus did. And like, if I see them at Walmart, I can't duck down the jams and jellies aisle to try to get away from them. You know, I have to smile at them and, and care about them and actually show them the love of Jesus because that's what he did for me. Now, I just talked about how, how I've been hurt in my life, but you know what? I've hurt a lot of people in my life too. Sometimes I was the one who betrayed somebody. Sometimes I was the one who talked bad about somebody behind their back. Sometimes I've lost my temper, or I've been arrogant, or unteachable, or I've said something insensitive. Now, I just want to say right now, if I have offended you, please come and talk to me after service, because I want to, I want to ask for your forgiveness. I saw your hand go up, Riley. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't want there to be anything between us because I assure you that if I've offended you, it was unintentional. And, and the proof that I have of that is that if I meant to offend you, you would definitely know that, okay? So it was unintentional, and I want to make things right between us. So maybe you're thinking, man, this sounds like something I need to do, but I need help. I need the Lord's help in this. And let me tell you, if you have something to forgive, you do need the Lord's help in this. So there are some different, different things that we have available for you. The first one is our deliverance process. If you haven't gone through our deliverance ministry, it can absolutely be life-changing. I know it's changed the, the life of my family. It's been incredible. A big part of that deliverance process is a forgiveness worksheet where you work out who you need to forgive over your life and who you need to, to uh, reconcile with and all of those things. Then there's an excellent book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan, and that can help you learn how to forgive, but it can also learn, help you learn how to not pick up offenses in the future. Uh, there's also a book by uh, another author, I can't remember his name, but it's called Unoffendable. I haven't actually read that one, but I've heard it's really good. Uh, I've just done the Bible plan on your version, so, uh, but The Bait of Satan I know personally is excellent. Uh, and then we're also, after service, we're going to have our prayer partners up here to pray with you if you need some of God's help to forgive. Will you stand with me, please? Today we've seen that forgiveness is not optional. 
It's not something we can decide that we want to do or not. First, God says to. Second, we model what God has done for us. And if we want our own sins forgiven, we forgive others. And third, we're carrying a burden that we don't need to carry. Now, we have four basic options when it comes to a hurt or offense that we've received. We can choose to curse it, all right? And that means, you know, curse all of life. That person did me wrong, so everybody on the planet is going to do me wrong. And rah, 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 rah. Like, we've, we've known some of those people. Or we can choose to nurse it. You can just cuddle it to your, to your chest and, like, you know, like, make sure you stay feeling angry because it gives you a sense of vengeance or, or self-righteousness. Like, that person did that to me, you know? Or we can choose to rehearse it. And this is the one I get stuck in a lot of times. We can rehearse it. Just go over and over and over it again in your mind what they did to you and kind of just wallow in it. Or we can choose to reverse it because the only thing stronger than hate is love. And when we reverse it, by forgiving them, by showing God's love, then that changes not just us, but the situation. So if you are ready to forgive right now, wherever you happen to be, whether you are uh, joining us live online, whether you're in the house, you're watching this later, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. So uh, please uh, close your eyes, bow your heads. Well, before you close your eyes, actually, it would help for you to be able to see this. So uh, if you need to forgive, I invite you to hold out your hands like this, like you're, you're clenching something, okay? So close your eyes, bow your heads. This is just between you and God. And hold out those hands like you're clenching your fists. And in a moment, we're going to pray, and we're all going to symbolically release any hurt or offense that we are holding on to. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have received through your son. And we ask you to help us by the power of your spirit to forgive those who have hurt us. And God, we know how hard it is for us to let go. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we are opening our hands. We are letting go of those hurts. We are letting go of those offenses. We're releasing it to you, Father. We're releasing them to you. We are choosing to love them. We're choosing to take our hands off of the rope. And we are placing them in your hands. And we're trusting you with the situation. And we're trusting you for healing for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.